Well, good morning. It is a joy to be with you all in this space this morning. If we have yet to meet in person, if I've only met you on a Zoom meeting, my name is Kelly Connolly, and I have had the joy and honor of serving as the resident pastor here for Ukirk and Urban Engagement over the last several months. So if we have yet to meet, please introduce yourself to me after the service. I do love meeting new people, and it would be nice to put a Zoom screen to a real face here in person. Our text this morning comes from Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 8. And this kind of weather we have this morning, it kind of puts me in the mood for a story. And that's what we have today, is a story about Isaiah's call, a prophetic call narrative. So let us now listen for Isaiah's story. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him, each had six wings, with two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Please pray with me. Spirit of the living God, Fall afresh on me, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me, Spirit of the living God. Fall afresh on me. So like we said, this is a story. Opening lines have a way of triggering our memories in stories. I'm sure many of us grew up listening to someone saying to us at night, well, once upon a time... 
If I were to call my 91-year-old grandfather now and ask him to tell me a story about working on his dairy farm without any prompting, he would open his mouth and say, well, Kelly, back in the good old days. And that's how our lesson begins, with an opening line that sets the tone for the rest of our story. Our passage today begins by the author declaring, in the year that King Uzziah died. That seems like a basic opening line, but this phrase is, it's quite heavy with meaning. Uzziah was the king that no one else could measure up to. In his 50 plus years reign, he not only defeated Philistines, built towers, led successful armies, but he really did make his people proud. His successors would find themselves unable to deliver the kind of peace and prosperity that the Judeans had during Uzziah's reign. So for the Judean community, they remember Uzziah's kingship as the good old days. It's an ironic opening line considering our current climate. Oh, remember the good old days where we walked around without masks. The good old days when we left our homes for hours and hours each day and went to work. The good old days where we went to crowded restaurants or a concert venue, the grocery store. The good old days when we didn't even know what Zoom was. Yes, at some point, for most of us, that did feel like the good old days. It's quite telling that this prophetic call narrative starts with a death. This sort of intro alludes to some previous trauma for the Judean community. Reading the classic prophetic call narrative in Isaiah 6 as a response to the multiple layers of trauma shaping the different parts of the book of Isaiah generates some helpful insights that make us consider the nature a prophetic leadership amidst the trying times that various communities are facing. In the case of Isaiah's call narrative, his call is closely connected to his first-hand trauma, serving as a witness to the political turmoil associated with imperial invasion and exile was surely a heavy burden to carry for the prophet, demonstrating how the prophetic vocation itself is also a source of anguish. But yet, despite the reality and the risk of suffering associated with this calling, the prophet Isaiah nevertheless agrees to trust God. Inspired by the vision of God's presence, the prophet remains faithful to his calling, serving as a channel for God's word amidst trying times. And I think today we find ourselves in a similar place to Isaiah. We too have witnessed various levels of trauma 
and tragedy, including some political turmoil, wrongful deaths for our black siblings, unrest in various communities, hate crimes against the Asian Pacific Islander community, and on top of that, a global pandemic that depleted many economically, mentally, emotionally, and ended in a historic death rate. It's felt nearly impossible at times to serve as a channel of God's word amidst these trying times. If only we too could have a vision from God in the temple, right? This week, as I was walking my dog on one of our many daily strolls, we passed a local church in our neighborhood This church has recently invested in some signs for their yard space that read, Black Lives Matter, God Says So. It is awesome. Amen. As I was admiring these signs from afar, I noticed something written in white chalk on the sidewalk. And directly underneath the sign in all capital letters, I read, All lives matter. And this just happened to be on the eve of the one-year anniversary of George Floyd's murder. And I had to pause for a minute when I read that. I had to sit with some feelings of frustration, confusion, disappointment, and pure shock as I continued walking around the neighborhood. I tried to imagine myself in the place of this sidewalk chalk artist, wondering what might have led them to this type of reactivity. I tried to imagine myself having a sit-down conversation with this person or persons and considered what type of metaphor or analogy I might be able to articulate to them in order to explain their ignorance, cruelty, and inherent racism. What could this conversation look like? Would it be helpful? How could I change their mind? But as soon as I realized that I was not capable of that, authentically listening to these anonymous scribes, it became abundantly clear that I am nothing more than a bystander Being a bystander can sometimes evoke feelings of powerlessness, helplessness, or defeat. But this text from Isaiah teaches us that there is power in being the bystander. In the final sentences, God asks, whom shall I send? Isaiah is merely an innocent bystander here, overhearing God's question. God says neither where the envoy is to go, nor what the envoy is to do, nor does God ask Isaiah to volunteer. There's not a job description here. There's no search committee or council in place. Isaiah just all of a sudden kind of blurts out, here am I, send me. Isaiah caught up in the excitement of the moment, grateful to be cleansed and even more grateful to be alive, volunteers to be God's envoy. 
even though he does not know where Yahweh will ask him to go or what Yahweh will ask him to do, he responds. Isaiah, he's kind of like that eager student in the class that volunteers to help the teacher before the teacher says what they need help with. He ultimately writes a blank check offering to go wherever and do whatever. What fascinates me the most about this text from Isaiah is the amount of action that happens at such a rapid pace. This chapter is about 13 verses and just Short eight verses, we experience God's voice in the temple, flying seraphs, live coals. And at the end of all of it, Isaiah speaks up and says, Sure, God, I'm in. There's no back and forth debate, negotiation like, I will serve God as long as I can do it here. Or, I will be happy to serve God in this way, but not in that way. Or, but God, this is how we've always done it. There is no room for an all-lives-matter trajectory here. God is not asking, Isaiah is not asking God for a roadmap back to the good old days. He is simply telling God that he is willing to devote his life to God's love and faithfulness and share it with others. Isaiah's willingness to serve illustrates the deepest level of commitment that one can have with God. It's a vivid reminder that we are all bystanders in God's plan, a footnote for the church in the world. In the words of Walter Brueggemann, the throne room of God is the policy room of world government, There is business to conduct. There is creation to manage. There are messages to be sent. And right now, I know it's exciting to be back in this sanctuary and back in this building, but y'all know this is not our throne room. You've shown me that over these last several months. You all know where the throne room is. It's not in my office or Kate or Alex's office. It doesn't happen in the midst of a session meeting or a staff meeting around the table. Our throne room is out there. The sidewalks of Richmond and beyond. The greater community beyond these walls that we are committed to serving here at Second Presbyterian Church. This message of deep commitment is best reflected in one of my favorite hymns. Melodies ringing true with words such as, My hand will save, and I will hold your people in my heart. Rather than placing a knee on the neck of an innocent bystander, may we feel called to extend a hand. God has called us to hold God's people in our hearts. We've spent this last year hearing the cries of our neighbors, but now it's time to conduct some sacred business. We will go, Lord, where you lead us. We will hold your 
your people in our hearts. Amen.